Turn in your Bibles, if you will, back to uh, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We'll look this morning at verses 13 to 16. Matthew 5, 13 to 16. One of the most perplexing uh, questions we face as, a Christ, as Christians is simply the daily challenge of how exactly do we live in this world. On Sunday we gather and we enjoy wonderful worship and good fellowship. And then comes Monday and Tuesday and the rest of the week when our Sunday faith easily gets lost in the hard, cold realities and the busyness of a life in this world. So how are we to see ourselves as Christians in that world? We can't spend all of our time in Bible study and prayer. What are we to be doing in the world? Well, here in Matthew 5, Jesus gives us a brief but practical answer, a principle set forth in two descriptive metaphors. Let me read it, verses 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. In in, in most every every area of our life and work, we have rules of thumb that we use to uh, kind of make decisions. These are practical little uh, rules, simple things that we can think through in our head that represent a lot of different complex uh, uh, principles, perhaps, but give us a way to quickly make decisions that are pretty close. I was looking for some examples, and I ran across a website of almost 6,000 rules of thumb. I kind of got sidetracked for about an hour looking at rules of thumb. My favorite one is, don't try to out-argue your mother. When I was flying airplanes, we had lots of rules of thumb. You're a busy guy. you got to make decisions. you got to make them very quick. We had rules of thumb. I found some farmer's rules of thumb. You guys know them better than I do. But we have these rules of thumb, thousands of them. Some are really helpful. Some are just entertaining. When Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world, he seems to be giving us a rule of thumb about how to live in this world, a general principle that will guide us. Now, we could take those two illustrations one at a time and talk about saltiness and talk about being light, but I think they actually teach us similar things. So I want to address them together as two parts of the same thing and point out today four different things, four points, four things that we ought to learn from these uh, rules of thumb. The first is this. Christ made us different from the world. Christ made us different from the world. This is not a new idea. Most people agree that Christians are to be different. But what is the nature of that difference? Too often it has only been skin deep. A matter of appearance. What we wear. What we eat or don't drink. What we, or don't eat, what we drink or don't drink. Uh, what, how we play. What we don't do. But may I suggest that the difference Christ speaks of here is the radical difference of our essence, not our appearance. Think of how profound this difference of essence actually is between the Christian and the world. 
We are under a different authority, members of a different kingdom. We are pursuing a different purpose, the glory of God, not just our own success. We understand all truth from a different perspective. It begins not with human reason, but it begins with God revealing himself. We have a different view of mankind, of ourselves. On the one hand, we see people as sinners, not basically good. But at the same time, we see people in the exalted position as image bearers of our God, not just the inadvertent product of time plus chance. Everything about us is different in essence. We are those recreated and renewed in God's image. We are those reborn of the Holy Spirit of God. We are called out of the kingdom of darkness and made light in Christ. This difference is as profound as light is from darkness, as salt is from sand. John Stott writes, It is theologically fashionable to blur the distinction between the church and the world and to refer to all mankind indiscriminately as the children of God. But they are as different as chalk from cheese. God made us different in the world. Think about it. Salt and light are only useful to the extent that they are different from their surroundings. So does that describe you? And if so, what is the nature of the difference, really? Simply a list of taboos that you observe? Or an essential difference which flows from the work of God in you? The work of the gospel transforming you. God made us different. Second truth. Christ left us to live in the world. Christ left us to live in the world. In one sense, this is the most obvious fact imaginable. Of course, we live in the world. But the difficulty of living as a Christian in the world is demonstrated by the fact that The primary solution over the years to this tension that Christians feel in the world has been to find some way to remove ourselves from the world. Christians have tried every possible way to make our distinctiveness geographical. In 269 A.D., St. Anthony of Egypt sold all of his possessions, and in 285 A.D., He withdrew completely into the desert as a hermit. And so began the monastic movement. And ever since, the church has struggled with the reality that we are to be separate, that is distinct from the world, but we are not to separate, that is, remove ourselves from the world. God has called us to be intentionally present in the midst of the world. This intentional presence in the world would characterize Jesus and his ministry. And it's to characterize his disciples as well. This was the genius of Jesus' incarnation. We read in John 1, the word, the eternal word who was with God and was God became flesh and lived among us. This, is, this presence among sinners was how Jesus lived. We, we read about it in Luke 15. The tax collector and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. Here he is in the middle of these. And the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Present 
in the world. That presence in the world was Jesus' prayer for his disciples in John 17. He he says, my prayer is not that you, Father, take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil world. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. There was also the apostles' teaching, as we hear in 1 Corinthians 5. I have written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or greedy or swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave with the world. But God has called us to be present in the world. It's no accident that we find ourselves here. He has not forgotten us. Neither is he unable to get us out of here. God has designed this situation in which we find ourselves planted right smack in the middle of a godless world. And folks, that presents us with many challenges. We must continually work to build bridges with the world around us. We must not just cut ourselves off from from exerting influence in others' lives. We cannot just wash our hands of the whole mess. We must be salt and light in the present world. This means we'll face difficult problems and we need one another's help. Some of us tend to be easily very different from the world, almost automatically withdraw and become isolated. Others of us are very much in touch with the world, perhaps too comfortable in the world. We struggle to really be consistently different, distinctively Christian. As William Hendrickson reminds us, worldly-minded or secular, worldly-mindedness or secularism is here condemned, but also is aloofness or isolationism. So we need one another to help us sort out how to do this, to live as Christians right in the presence of the world. And how are you doing in this role? Do you have any non-Christian friends Maintain relationship with? Oh, you do? That's good. Do they know you're Christian? (laughs) Do they know there's anything different about you? Jesus left us to live in this world being salt and light. But it's not just a matter of hanging out in the world. There's a third point here. Christ calls us to affect the world. Christ calls us to affect the world. So what effect are we to have? Well, the illustration of salt and light suggests the type of influence the world needs. Think of salt for a moment. Nowadays, salt, as we use it, is mostly used for seasoning. But in a world of no refrigeration, its primary use was to prevent spoilage. This suggests that the world tends toward continual putrefaction, spoilage, rottenness. The world tends to wind down morally, not improve. So Christ calls his church to be a preserving influence in the world, to impede the deterioration of society. Now, this is a very negative function. It will often be uncomfortable. People do not appreciate the sting of salt, as, as it disinfects and preserves. Challenging the philosophy, the allegiances, the drift toward corruption will not make Christians more popular. Indeed, it may, may bring us persecution. But that's our calling. 
to challenge the cultural assumptions which erode society all around us. Then there's light. Light, on the other hand, is a much more positive force. It dispels darkness. It brings life. This again suggests a world in which is dwelling in darkness and death. Though we live in what we think of as an enlightened age. But the enlightenment, which our world is so proud of, is largely technological advance. In contrast, when it really comes to an enlightened view of life, our technologically savvy people in the world may be among the most ignorant people that have ever lived on the planet. Think of how many brilliant people with advanced degrees are totally unable to cope with life, unable to make their marriage work, unable to raise their children, unable to deal with themselves. The light our world needs is the light of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. That light is as different from modern enlightenment as a laser is from a nightlight. But the light of the gospel cleanses and heals and brings life to our dead souls. So the effect which Christians are to have on the world is twofold. We're to be a, a preserving effect, to have a preserving effect, arresting the deterioration and calling society to righteousness and justice and truth. But we're also to have an enlightening effect, bringing the light of the gospel to bear on a dark world, to the end that people will see and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Christ called us to affect our world. So how do we do this? How do we go about influencing the world. I think we learn something from the very nature of salt and light themselves. Both have the ability to permeate their environment way beyond their relative size. For example, recipes never call for a cup of sugar, two cups of flour, and a cup of salt. No, a pinch of salt will do. And in the darkest room, though it could take floodlights to light it up and make a movie in there, one match will dispel the darkness. So we as salt and light are to influence our society beyond our relative strength. Salt and light do this because of the powerful difference. Similarly, the difference in character, which Jesus describes in the Beatitudes wields a powerful influence. When people encounter one who is poor in spirit and meek and gentle and broken by by his or her sin, hungering and thirsting for righteousness and showing mercy and making peace and willing to suffer for Christ's sake, people don't know what to do with that kind of person. It's like running into a pinch of salt or, 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 or a match lit in the darkness. Such a person is so different That the world may be uncomfortable, but the world will never be unaffected by such a witness. And that's our calling, to affect the world as Christ's witnesses. Finally, there's a fourth truth suggested by this text. Christ warns against conforming to the world. Christ warns against conforming to the world. 
We live in a world nowadays that punishes those who stand in principle and refuse to conform. So not surprisingly, when conflict comes, we tend to quickly back down, quiet down, minimize the difference, fit in. But in our text, Jesus warns that such must never be our response. For when salt and light have lost their essential native qualities, they're useless. Actually, there are three warnings here. First, in verse 14, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. In other words, it's impossible to conform considering our nature. The fact that a city on a hill is on a hill makes it impossible to hide. It will be there. You can destroy it, but you can't hide it. So we Christians are salt and light. It's impossible to hide that essential nature. We cannot conform, for by definition, we are different. So don't try to be hidden. Second, in verse 15, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. In other words, it's unthinkable to conform, considering the very reason for our existence. The purpose for which someone gets a, a, a light and lamps a kerosene light, lights a kerosene light or, or flips a light switch or whatever kind of light you have, the, the reason to do that is, is to dispel the darkness. So it's inconceivable that a person would then cover up that light in order to make it conform to the darkness that it was meant to dispel. That's insane. In the same way, Christ came and made us children of the light. Children of the one who's the light of the world. It is then unthinkable that we should try to hide that light that we're made to, to shine. Third warning is in verse 13. If the salt loses its salt, saltiness, it's good for nothing. Now, technically, salt cannot lose its saltiness. Sodium chloride is a very stable chemical compound. But as Dr. David Turn suggested, quote, what was then popularly called salt was in fact a white powder, perhaps from around the Dead Sea, which while containing sodium chloride also contained much else, since in those days there were no refineries. Of this dust, the sodium chloride was probably the most soluble component and so the most easily washed out. And when it was washed out, the residue of white powder still looked like salt and was doubtless still called salt, but that neither tasted or acted like salt. It was just road dust. Applying that to the church. It's impossible for a person whom God has called to himself and is renewed by the power of his Holy Spirit to be anything else but salt and light in the world. But our common experience is that churches are filled with people who are called Christians and may look and sound like Christians but are not salt and light in the world. Jesus says, that such faith is useless. The same is true for whole churches. 
A true church will affect the world like salt and light. It cannot do otherwise. But there are groups everywhere that call themselves churches, that meet in church-like buildings and talk God talk, but are so completely conformed to the world that the salt and light are just non-existent. Christ says such churches are useless. They're not good country clubs. They're not profitable businesses. They're not effective social agencies. They're not even good entertainment. They're nothing. They're useless to the Lord. They're destined to perish. It's unthinkable to conform to the world considering the consequences of losing our saltiness, our light. It strikes me that the key word in all of this is the word different. God made us different from the world. That difference is not in looks or sounds, but in the essence of our character. Therefore, that difference is radical and influential. It cannot be anything less. Like salt and light, our very presence permeates the world, makes it uncomfortable, and changes it. So the issue in all of this is not primarily, what do you do? But what we are. Yet in the church, we tend to put all the emphasis on what we do, the programs we run, the activity we create. While Jesus is content to emphasize our being what we are, what he has made us to be, the salt of the earth, the light of the world. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world, different from the world, present in the world, affecting the world, and always refusing to conform to the world. May God grant us grace for such a calling. Amen. Let's pray.